0: As you get into these last couple of weeks of the season, you're going to have teams that need to win and more than likely they're going to be overvalued. And, you know, one of the lines that I've heard forever is if a team can just win when they have to, they would not be in this situation where they need to win today.
1: Welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com and part of Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host Matt Landis, and as the tumultuous news cycle continues across the NFL, I've made the decision that interviews with betting experts probably going to add a lot more value than solo picks episodes when I have no clue how those picks would age. So to that end, This episode brings us an NFL Week 16 breakdown with handicapper Scott Kellen, also a colleague of mine on the BetUS NFL show. We talk about Scott's advice on finding opportunity in the face of chaos, his outlook for the rest of the season, including some great insight on process and strategy, and of course we do get into Week 16 betting opportunities, among other pertinent topics. One housekeeping note before we cut to my conversation with Scott, If you're craving NFL picks driven by analytics and thousands of simulations, check out the cutting edge quick pick section for free at Dimers.com. You can do that via the link in the show notes to see where you want to get down on the Dimers bot's biggest edges. And now, enjoy my conversation with NFL handicapper Scott Kellen. Scott Kellen, welcome back to Props and Hops. The audience might recall we had you on this offseason, episodes 58 and 64 in the archives for anybody who wants to check that out. And Scott, since we had you on this summer, how's your NFL season been treating you?
0: Hey, Matt, good to be on. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, if you would have asked me this uh, after about the fifth week of the season or something, I'd be telling you, uh, hey, it's been an unbelievable season. It's probably hitting that 70%, which obviously is not sustainable. And then, Uh, had a couple bad weeks and then we've been kind of just treading water ever since. then. so I'm actually down slightly in the NFL this year. Um, But uh, you know, it's been a little bit better lately, but uh, hopefully we'll end up with a strong finish here and uh, we'll see where it lands, but feel good, you know, short of the COVID stuff, which I know we'll talk about, but uh, other than that, feel pretty good about the handle on the NFL and uh, hopefully we can finish strong.
1: You touched on it. The COVID stuff just unfortunately dominating the news cycle right now. And I wonder from your standpoint as a pretty seasoned NFL handicapper, do you have any advice to the audience on possibly looking at angles to seize opportunity in the face of so much chaos?
0: It's crazy, man. Uh, I've always kind of joked in life and, you know, it, it probably applies here. Like if you think you have an issue in life, just find another issue and then that last issue won't. Won't seem like it's such a big deal. And, uh, you know, we we worry every week about the injury report and and all that good stuff. Uh, But injuries don't really happen throughout the week too often in practice. So you're really just trying to just kind of um, watch what's happening throughout the week from an injury that happened in the previous game. This COVID thing is completely different. You know, I, I wake up today and I see the Jets, 15 people on the COVID list, right? Like you don't know who's next. You don't know who's coming off. Um, it's crazy. So my advice, um, you know, I cannot think of this ever happening like this in the past. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's something that's happened that someone could remind me of, but you got to wait and see a little bit, I think with some of this COVID stuff, cause tomorrow something could jump up and, you know, we saw it a couple of days ago where numerous chiefs and key chiefs players, uh, were hit with COVID and who knows if they're going to come off. But that could happen on a Friday. That could happen on a Saturday. So, I think you got to be a little cautious betting too early, um, not knowing what's coming. And then on top of that, you you just try to stay on top of it as much as you can, and just be ready to pounce once you get some news that's in your favor for whatever you're trying to trying to do. And so, I think for me, I try to stay on top of the games for what I where I think I want to go for the for the week and getting into the games on, on a Sunday, but then obviously you kind of have to take a a step back a little bit because of COVID. And then you just try to wait and and just get information. And as you get it sooner than maybe other people get it and before they can really move the lines too much based on that, then possibly you take advantage of it, but you still have to be a little cautious because people are still, you know, potentially going on COVID coming off COVID. I mean, it's crazy. So a little wait and see, have a game plan so that you're ready to react once you get some news that maybe works in your favor and um and you just take it I'd say day by day, but it's almost hour by hour right now.
1: I know a lot of the audience for this show does not consist of professional betters if any pro betters are listening. that's awesome. I greatly appreciate that, but for you know most of us out there, just aspirational sharp betters to borrow a phrase from Captain Jack Andrews. One thing I've found lately is that it can be really tough to get down on this information before it's already built into the line. Las Vegas Chris said it on our BetUS show yesterday. I mean, by the time that the average person finds out about COVID or injury news, it's already built into the line. So something that I've seen consistently lately has been, okay, If you can't get down when news first breaks. There's no need to force the issue. Oftentimes mm-hmm. waiting and letting steam build up. Even after news has been built into a price, Some people might've just found out about something and throw more money that can move a line to the point that fading the steam right before kickoff could often offer quite a bit of value. Is that something that you've seen in years past or is it something that might be a more unique phenomenon to what we're dealing with in 2021?
0: Well, I I think it's, it's definitely unique here. I mean, it happens, uh, uh, you know, in years past, you know, just on a week by week basis sometimes with injuries and whatnot or late season stuff. I know we, we hit on that a little bit on the on the Bet US show yesterday, um, but I, I think you know you wait and see. Like you said, you don't force it. Um, y- you kind of have to have a number for every game, right? And somehow, some way, you got to get that number. Whether you're doing some stuff on your own that is reasonably something you can rely on, or you're using another source that is providing you with some information in terms of what that number should be, possibly. And, again, that number can change when a quarterback goes out or some other key people go out. So that, that's always a little bit tough. But So I think if you can have a sense of that, and then you, you, can, you can wait and see, and, and things will get blown out of proportion sometimes. Um, and, you know, yesterday we, uh, on that Philadelphia-Washington game, ultimately we ended up pushing, but I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for a 10. I was literally driving the store 10 minutes before the game just checking lines on my app, and sure enough, a 10 showed up took it ultimately, obviously we pushed on that, but um you know, that, or did they end up losing by yeah, they pushed on that. Right. Like 10, yes. that was 10 points. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. I need to know so, where to send uh, Nick Sirianni's Christmas card because him not kicking a field goal at the end of that game ultimately saved us. And at least we got out of it with the push.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it, you, you try to have a sense of where you want to get involved and then, and then just kind of wait and see. And, you know, if the line goes in your favor, you can take advantage of it and you got to know why lines are moving i mean if lines are moving because key key people are out you know then maybe that value isn't there that you thought was there before so you know you're either on top of this or like you said a lot of people aren't right they we all have things that we have to do during the day so then you just you try to rely on sources that can help you out with that a little bit as well i think
1: as you walk through that process i also think of how this could apply to some fantasy football players out there and we don't need to you know, get too much into our specific teams. I know the saying goes, nobody cares about your fantasy team. But one thing I noticed today that might you know, hopefully help some people hearing this conversation if they're catching it before week 16 waivers take effect on Thursday morning would be that I had Alexander Madison on one of my teams and I had an IR spot I could stash him on. But the Vikings took him off the COVID list today. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon Pacific time. And if I hadn't removed him from my IR spot, all of my other waiver claims I'd placed wouldn't have gone through, because if you have an ineligible player on the IR, you can't make any transactions. So that's just one more wrinkle. If you're in your fantasy playoffs this week, just keep an eye on that. Uh, And Scott, I do want to ask, I know you were kind of rooting for some boring outcomes on the (laughs) Tuesday games, wrapping up week 15 so that you could advance. The games didn't see too many fireworks. I hope your opponent just didn't have Cooper Cup.
0: Uh, he had Cooper Cup. He had Miles Sanders. Uh, mm. He had uh, Goddard. Uh, yeah, it, that did oh, not go done. well at all. <laughs> the only, the only good thing, and I had, I had Elliott the kicker for Philadelphia. That's all I had left, right? And I was, I was up by about forty points, but he had the majority of his guys going. So the only good thing about that, Matt, was by about halftime, I pretty much knew I was done, and I didn't have to pay attention to that part of it anymore. So, um, you know, sometimes it's better to lose that way than lose by a couple points at the very end.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of one of the lessons I took away from a previous boss. One of my favorite quotes I've ever heard in my career. A quick no is my second favorite answer. I mean, if you're not going to win at this stuff, just find out you're not going to win immediately can spare a lot of pain. So I feel you're there. Well, I do want to touch on one more thing before we totally move on from this topic. And that could bring the Molinsky Minute to the forefront a little early on this week's episode. For some background, I just finished reading the book Noise by Daniel Kahneman and a couple of his peers. And it's a great deep dive into human judgment. And one of the common themes I took away was that not too surprisingly, I'm sure for you, uh, as humans, we tend to be quite overconfident in our ability to make good decisions. And I think that applies to a lot of predictions as well. And I see a connection there to something Las Vegas Chris said on this podcast last week, basically to the effect of the more nervous I am, usually the better I do. And when we think about betting, um, there's a lot of humble confidence necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to be humbled and respect a really efficient market. But at the same time, you've got to be confident enough to get in play, oftentimes to lay minus 110. So how do you reconcile those elements of humility and confidence when it comes to getting down what you need to, to make a pretty decent living as a better?
0: Well, I think, first of all, like you said, uh, the line I've always kind of been taught, sometimes the harder they are to play, the, the easier or more they tend to win for you. Right. And, but that's very hard for people to do. Um, you know, you, the giants this week, they're getting tenant Philly. I'm, I, I'm not picking a side at all, but okay. They're a bad team. Right. So it's, how do you, how do you take that team when they're bad? You have to have a way to judge that. I think you have to have a process. You have to have, a, you know, the, uh, a, a book that I wrote back in, I think it was 2003, 2004, And I'm not promoting to go get this book because it's way too outdated now. But the title of that book was The Unemotional Football Better. And the reason I titled it that way, and I was just a solid systems guy at the time. um, And I did it because you have to be able to take emotion out of it, number one. You just have to have a systematic way that you go about your business, I believe. So you have a systematic way that then also gives you, comp- you know, again, we're assuming that you've developed something that has a chance to win. And, and, you know, at least in some of your backtesting has won, but you have that systematic way that go about your business because you're going to be faced with situations that look really, really ugly. And to your point, Matt, you know, the, the harder that they are the bet, uh, sometimes the more likely they are to win. And sometimes the only way you can get to that point Is to have something systematically that reinforces in your mind that this is the right thing to do, and over the long haul, this is going to win. Because the other thing is, you take a a large dog and they get their doors blown off. You're saying to yourself, "What an idiot I am!" But in reality, it's just one game of maybe a hundred games, or two hundred games, or a thousand games in your lifetime. So you've got to be able to go back to that foundation that you originally created and play into that foundation and let that foundation, if it's really truly sound, let that play out for you. So I just think you need some of that stuff to, to really be able to do that um, and do it efficiently. And because the other thing is you could be making really bad decisions and winning and you're not going to change your way because you're winning. But if you're making really good decisions and losing, even though you've got some sound fundamentals behind you, you get tested very, very strongly to deviate from what you think is right. And we're dealing with money here. You start losing money, it's even easier to start to deviate because you want to get back what you lost quicker than sometimes it's really meant to happen um, just because we go through cycles. So I think you got to have that foundation uh, to really be able to act on, to really be able to do the right things when times are really tough to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm reminded as recently as last week when we recorded our Friday pick show I was pretty nervous once I heard the Sean Payton news about that Saints plus 11 bet that I had already locked in. I was definitely nervous about Cowboys Giants under 44 and a half once I knew you had the Cowboys team total over and there was plenty of good reasoning for your bet. Um, Fortunately, in my case, uh, both the Saints side and that Giants Cowboys total cashed and I was the most confident in a teaser involving Miami and Pittsburgh. Again, fortunately, (laughs) that got home as well. But both of those teams were trailing by double digits, seemingly just as soon as the game had even started. So oftentimes, the most comfortable bets to make might have you in the toughest spot during the game. And the toughest ones to make can look really ugly if and when they do fall through. But more often than not, again, they can be, you know, like that Saints game. The outright win was in question for a while on Sunday night. I mean, they didn't go up by more than a touchdown until I believe the middle of the fourth quarter. But plus 11, I mean, if you don't allow a point, then you're never really in jeopardy of losing that cover.
0: Yeah. No, I, and those were great calls by you, uh, especially on the Saints one. Um, and, and and quite frankly, the teaser, I mean, like you said, that that ended up being a lot more difficult than um, I think we thought it was going to be, especially on the Miami side. Um, but they got there, and they got there in some ways, you know, they got there for the right reasons. At the end of the day, Miami was still the better team, Um, you know, things happen throughout the game that put you in a hole. But um, that's also one reason why you tease that to give yourself a little room for air, because, you know, it's at the end of the day, they're not a 11 and five team. Uh, you know, they are who they are, even though they're probably superior to the Jets. And uh, it, it took all that to get there. And, you know, thank thankfully you teased it because you would not have won it betting it against the spread on its own.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your insight there. And I think I might've taken us a bit off track, did not mean to toot my own horn by any stretch and talk about past results that nobody can do anything about right now, but trying to dig more into the process that goes into this stuff, that can be more repeatable week after week. And one more thing, I've got to follow up. I didn't know you'd written a book.
0: Yeah, it was called The uh, Unemotional Football Better. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think, and then I think this kind of subtitle to it was uh, 27 uh, 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 systematically, uh, research systems whatever the title was uh subtitle was but basically it's 27 systems that have won over time um going back uh, as far as back to 1983 for many of them so uh there was some college stuff in there some pro stuff in there kind of divided it uh, up a little bit like i said it was 2003 2004 so a lot of the stuff has is really gotten outdated on it now um but you know the the one part in there um that's probably repeatable. It kind of, uh, and I took this from another book. Um, just y- you go out and you research some stuff, and again, kind of like I said earlier, it's sound research. Try not to create it and allow a lot of other noise to come into it, and then all, all of a sudden start handicapping your handicapping because when you start to do that, you get off course. And, and uh, so, there are some lessons in there early on in that book to just kind of speak to that and how you can try to stay on the train tracks, if you will, to really stay um, on on pace and, and, and just fundamentally sound with what you're trying to set up and create. And of course, at the end of the day, it's only as good as the foundation that you've created. So you got to create a sound foundation. But if you do, then, you know, there, again, there was just some lessons in there just to, to help you kind of stay on that track as well. The systems themselves, uh, you know, quite frankly, like I said, the majority of now, are outdated, quite frankly. So I, I wouldn't recommend buying it because of that, but, but that, that, you know, that was the nature of that book. It was a, I thought it was a pretty good book. It was, it was sold off my website at the time. I don't sell anymore again, cause it's outdated. Uh, and then sold at the gamblers book club in Vegas. Um, and it was one of their better sellers, I think at the time, but like I said, they still have it there so you can go get it. But, um, you know, just a word to the wise, uh, it's very outdated at this point.
1: Is there any chance we might see a, uh, a you know, revamped you know, 2.0 version of the book, understanding that you still do implement a lot of systems in your betting today? And I know you've kept those up to date over the years.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah, those are all up to date. I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's funny because you'd get some people that were mad at you for putting some stuff in a book. Uh, and then and then you, you start to question like, okay, what do you put in? Because if you put a book out there, you want to put a book out there that you think is relevant and of some value. And everyone, everyone will decide that obviously in a different way. So you try to put something out there that's that's of value, but also uh, put something out there that doesn't give away some of the stuff that you do that you think gives you an advantage. I think that's in, in and that's just anybody that writes a book on sports betting, right? Like, um, you know, are they are they giving you something that's good for everyone to use, but then also not taking away from any advantage that they have? And that's there's a balance there that you try to try to operate under and if you if you go that route then you're just hoping that you can kind of meet both of those not giving away the secrets but also giving something to the other people that they can actually hold on to it and utilize in their life in some way shape or form
1: yeah that reminds me of a recent read of mine right before the season kicked off the logic of sports betting by ed miller and matthew david out of deck prism sports out in the vegas area um, I know that's been out for a couple of years, but a lot of concepts they even touched on, like, hey, some people might be upset that we're putting this out there. Um, they did you know, they did a little bit of spoon feeding, but a lot of the work to really reap the benefits, you still have to put in more of the work on your own end as a reader. And I think trying to find that balance can can really be the sign of somebody who finds the sweet spot. But Scott, one system I wanted to touch on with you, uh, more something being implemented, increasingly by NFL coaches these days would be a fourth down decision making a lot of coaches going for it more than we've seen in the past. And it seems like, from what I understand, most of these coaches are probably following pretty similar processes. I understand that, you know, analytics, I don't want people to think that just means, okay, if it's this down a distance at this yard line, you go for it, or you don't, I think every coach making that decision is fully aware of personnel, game state, you know, conditions, there's a lot of you know, art that gets baked into this science, but we are seeing a lot of coaches going for it these days. Whenever they don't convert enough, it seems like they get roasted. If they do make it, it kind of seems like it's just, okay, ho-hum, get swept under the rug a bit. And I think about, you know, Brandon's Daily last week, just taking a lot of heat for the Chargers losing to the Chiefs in a Thursday night game. And then on Saturday, the Colts going three for three on fourth down. And Frank Reich not really getting praised too much, but if they miss one or two of those fourth downs and the Colts blow a 20 to nothing lead, you know, he'd be on the hook a lot more than he is right now, even though the process that those two guys followed seems pretty similar to me. Um, do you feel like I have an accurate read on that situation or what do you make as a better of the increase of coaches going for it on fourth downs these days?
0: I think your read is a hundred percent correct. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday and maybe there was some stuff out there from Frank, Reich, but I really didn't see anything. Uh, and, and I may have just missed it. Um, but obviously, when Staley did it, that, that stuff was all over the place. And uh, you know, I'll go back to if you remember the, uh, and I don't know how many years ago this was, when Cleveland, the Browns hired someone uh, and they kind of went more of an analytical route, which was maybe Paul's brand new. In, yeah. And it was brand new in the NFL, right? It was, you know, obviously this stuff was prevalent in baseball, but this was like a, a, a new uh, ground in, in, in football. And I was out in Washington, D- D.C. at a conference, and one of the gentlemen from 538.com was there. And we had the ability to go into this room. It was a little intimate room where you could actually just ask questions. So I walked up to the mic, and I said, hey, um, you know, what do you think about Cleveland and, and football, just going at this from an analytical standpoint? Can it work on the football side? And he said he had a, a buddy who uh, was a consultant to an NFL team. He goes, it's not a very good NFL team. Um, but one of the things they're trying to get the head coach to do is to go for it on fourth and one more often. And when they approached the head coach on that subject, the coach said, you sign me to another long term contract, I'll go for it. Otherwise I'm not going for it because when I, when I don't get it, I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to get fired and I'm not going to get another job because people think I'm an idiot. So I have to have some security before I do that. So the league is, is really come a long way since that point, obviously, um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I think what Staley did was right. You know, the, the one argument I heard, which maybe has some merit, the one play he went for it at the end of the first half, uh, mm-hmm. the last play of the half, you know, you do that. Part of the reason, if you're not going to get it, you got your team backed up inside the five yard line. And one of those times they didn't get it. They got a tip pass for an interception right after that. So you could argue at the end of the half, you know, Kansas city wasn't taking the ball after that. So maybe he should kick the field goal there, but I think he was right. But you know, what I get upset about more is the old school people can just not see it this way at all. Um, And you've got to be open-minded. I mean, I've heard people, you know, throughout the week say, did you see those players coming off the field dejected after they didn't get it? Well, that goes both ways. You get it. And all of a sudden there's a, there's an even bigger lift to your players. They have more confidence. Plus on top of that, I, I have to feel that if the coach explains to the players why they're doing this and they buy into why you're doing it, I don't think they're as rejected as some people might think as well. So none of us are there that we know. Um, also, I would say is the old school people need to keep more of an open mind to that. The last thing I'll say on this is, you know, and I'm making up numbers here, but if it's fourth and one, let's just say the success rate's 50% in the league. Well, I mean, some teams are making it 60% of the time. I mean, some teams are making it 40% of the time. It, it's not equal for every team. There are some teams who are just much, much better equipped to do this. Personnel, strategy-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's other teams, and I'll just throw out like the Jets, for example, just because they're a bad team, Jacksonville. They're probably not equipped to make this. So I think that has to play into this as well. Um, but the, the one thing I loved about what Staley did he stuck to what he was doing. You get a Mike McCarthy who goes for it and then doesn't get it. And then the next time it's a situation that appears he should go for it. And then he's punting. He's not consistent with what he's doing. Um, and I think that's more troubling than Staley going for it every single time. Um, if he's truly doing it in, in, in the right situation. So we're going to see more of it. Um, and, and then you get guys going for it just because they feel like they should be going for it. Cause that's kind of the new thing. And again, maybe they're not going for it in the right time in the right situation. So it's all over the place, uh, but it's obviously much more prevalent than, you know, it was just a few years ago.
1: Yeah. It seems like consistency. One of the words you mentioned a precious commodity these days in the NFL. And I'm wondering how that might apply to your expertise when it comes to handicapping totals and team totals. I know from a side's perspective, when teams go for it on fourth down or maybe they go for two When the situation calls for it, sometimes key numbers like three and seven maybe lose a little bit of their luster. From a total Mm -hmm. standpoint, is there anything you've seen so far in 2021 that's caused you to update your handicapping process?
0: Not so much the process from what we're seeing. I think you have to be aware of it. And for me, at least, you know, early on now, you know, and I say early on because we're seeing it more and more this year. um, It's a little hard because we know Staley is going for it any chance he gets, it appears, but last week's game was a perfect example. He just failed every single time, right? So I don't think it's um, as simple to say, okay, he's going to go for it, be more aggressive. Therefore you can expect more points necessarily, because there are going to be situations like last week where they kind of fail in those opportunities, unfortunately. So I don't know a good way to be honest, to um, really insert it into the handicapping other than be aware of certain people that are just going to do it. I mean, let's think about this. Um, we know there are certain people who are very conservative, who are going to punt uh, whenever there's even a hint of an opportunity to go for it. And you kind of insert that into your handicapping, just uh, handy, handicap it maybe a little bit more conservatively, just knowing what they're going to do. So I think you can kind of do the same thing with aggressive coaches like Staley. You know, it's, you, you can't can't guarantee it yet because, again, there's no guarantee they're going to make it other than maybe you leave a little more room for air just knowing he's going to be a little bit more on the aggressive side. And if things play out properly, you're going to get a little bump from that uh, just because of that aggressiveness.
1: Well, we've got plenty of covid news, plenty of headlines about coaches fourth down decisions. I'm curious how all this might be affecting your outlook for the rest of the season. Are there any overrated or underrated teams you have in your sites or any angles you're looking to get in play down the home stretch with three weeks to go before we hit the playoffs?
0: I think the biggest one, we kind of touched on it yesterday. I think at the end of the show is is your, uh, one of the situations that I've used over the years and it's not a great situation. I mean, it's one and it's one um, with decent numbers, but there's a, there is a fair amount of variance to it and a, a fair amount of volume uh, to the plays along with that variance. So, I don't, I don't use it religiously, but I always keep it in the back of my mind. As you get into these last couple of weeks of the season, you're going to have teams that need to win. Um, and more than likely they're going to be overvalued. And, you know, one of the lines that I've heard forever is if a team can just win when they have to, they won't be in this situation where they need to win today. So um, and, and this situation, I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically playing against any teams that have seven or eight wins I think um, as, as favorites, and again, I'm, I don't have the situation in front of me, so I'm probably not quoting it 100% correctly, but the gist of it was in weeks 15, 16, and 17, we got another week now, obviously, this year, um, but teams with seven or eight wins, you would play against them in certain situations um, just because they need to win. And more than likely, the, the point spread has probably been shaded in their favor um, uh, uh, or probably against them, I guess would be the better way to word it, a little bit. You know, you get down to the last week. If a team needs to win and and that team should be a seven point favorite, you know, in that last week, they're probably going to be a 10 or 11 point favorite potentially. And nothing has changed with this team or the opponent they're playing other than they need to win the game. And now they're being asked to lay three or four more points. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So I think situations like that, uh, where you can play against those situations a little bit and get a little extra value uh, potentially, can uh, be opportunities that we can take advantage of as we go down the stretch here. And you pointed it out yesterday, Matt, we're seeing some of that even just COVID related where, and and you said it earlier today where teams are just being upped a little bit from uh, what they're being asked to lay because of the COVID perception. Um, And, you know, we're able to maybe take a little bit of advantage of that as well.
1: Yeah. As we look at week 16 uh, to your point about the must win teams, I'm looking at a game, maybe like Atlanta hosting Detroit, the Falcons. I mean, mathematically, they do still have a pulse. They're six and eight. They're in all likelihood not going anywhere, but they still got a shot at a winning record with three games left. Maybe a chance to sneak in the back door and that NFC playoff picture hosting a bad team in the Lions, although the Lions just showed us their best game of the season against Arizona (laughs) this past week. But Atlanta, I'm seeing a consensus. Five and a half, some of the sharper books a bit lower, but anywhere in that four and a half to five and a half range. Part of me wonders if the Falcons should be laying that many points to anybody in the NFL, and I'm curious as to whether you think that might have something to do with the fact that they're kind of in must-win mode against a team that's been out of the playoff picture pretty much since week one.
0: It could be, but I want to say that opened up a little bit closer to four, and then you had the golf news on the COVID stuff, Mm -hmm. and so it started to get bet up to six you know, what'll be interesting if they come back and and I've been pretty busy today, but I don't think they announced anything where Goff is off the COVID list. So it'll be interesting if they announce him off the list, that number is probably coming down. So I think it's maybe more of the the COVID thing than anything. Um, But if they confirm that he's out, you know, surely that thing is going to go up even more because you're going to get even more confirmation. I mean, I think what happened was initial news, it bounces up. We saw that today with the Jets, 15 players on COVID, even though from the little bit I saw, I don't think the majority of those players were key players. You could argue the Jets have no key players, but, uh, <laughs> but that never came down, you know, from two and a half down to one or, or whatever it went down to. So you get that initial bump. Um, but that Atlanta line, it will go North if, if they announce golf is out for sure as well. Um, and is it because they need to win? Maybe not so much, but, like you said, Atlanta's not a very good team. Like I started to look at some of my numbers today, you know, they're 31st, 32nd, 30th in a lot of rankings. Um, Can they win by margin? That's, that's probably asking a lot for that team, even against a Detroit team who's actually been pretty competitive all year.
1: Let's take a bit more of a look at week 16. We've got five teams playing their second game in six days. That would be, let's see here the Browns playing on Saturday after playing on Monday due to a postponed game and then all four teams that played on Tuesday the Seahawks Rams Eagles and Washington do you think those teams in that extra short week situation are having those point spreads priced accurately at this point due to that factor
0: uh, I'm trying to think of the games here so you've got Seattle now they're playing Chicago who played Monday um you know, kind of ironically enough, you got the Rams who played Minnesota, uh, who played Monday, right? Um, so those two are probably balanced off a little bit. Um, and you got what Philadelphia against the Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a tough turnaround. I mean, I, you know, my numbers right now are saying that Philly's probably overpriced in that game. Um, and I guess in just,
1: Philly's defense, it's also their second straight home game, so that maybe helps a bit. They're not traveling on a short week like the Browns.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I guess if if you're trying to find reasons to to, um, support Philly a little bit more, it's it is a divisional game. They know the competition, obviously, makes it a little bit easier to prepare for it. You you could make that argument as well. Uh, Then you got Cleveland. uh, You know, they played Monday, so that's um, and you know, that's a it's still kind of like a Monday Sunday turnaround because you know they're playing Saturday, so both teams are a day earlier anyway. so I don't think it's as bad as because um, I, if if I guess Philly is the is the worst one, right? Because the Giants played Sunday, so that one could that one could impact them a little bit just from a preparation standpoint. And just you know, I heard this last week; these players they they get into a routine uh, as far as recovering and whatnot, and you know, you're breaking up that routine and you're hurting that routine pretty pretty bad um, when you've got to turn around play a game on Tuesday night. And now you're playing again on Sunday. That's that's two days shaved off your routine, and um, you know a lot of a lot of players are in routines and they're used to those routines, and and that's how they roll. And so you get them out of those routines and and just recovering time I, that can be tougher, I think. Um, and and yeah. again, Philly needs to win the game. They don't need to win by thirty necessarily.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another way to look at it. Must win it does not equate to must win by a margin. And the team that might be getting the worst of it in this spot, Washington. Second road game in six days, heading to Dallas, I guess a bit of a benefit for Washington. It's the Sunday night game, so they get a later kickoff. Uh, I I don't know why they didn't flex the game like Buffalo, New England. I guess the networks must have some protection uh, over games in the earlier windows on Sunday. But yeah, Washington, two road games in six days, uh, this time taking on a Cowboys team uh, that'll be on pretty much more than a full week of rest, getting the Sunday night game off of an early Sunday game last week.
0: Yeah, that that's going to be a tough turnaround and you got um, you know plus they suffered more injuries in that game last night mm-hmm. in their secondary which was depleted because of covid, you know, it's NFL's changed things and made it a little bit easier to come back from covid now, but still you got to get clearance there. You're right. That that's probably the worst situation out of all those games. Uh, and that's that's going to be tough to come back from, I think. Plus where they're they're at their weakest point in their secondary even though we haven't seen this out of Dallas recently, that is still Dallas's strength to be able to throw into that secondary. That's a pretty tough assignment. Uh, I agree with you on that one. That that's, that's going to be tough for Washington.
1: Sounds. Like Although they, they will the have a better far. head
0: coach in that game uh, regardless. Right. <laughs> so, you know.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if people uh, tuning into this and then tuning into our uh, pick show for week 16 uh, might anticipate another crack at the Cowboys team total over. Right. Uh, the way you laid that one out. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, I know we have what a little less than 24 hours now before we reconvene to uh, make official picks for the Bet US show purposes. But is there anything right now getting into some early look at week 16 bets, anything you've already got in your portfolio that's still widely available or anything you're giving pretty strong consideration?
0: Uh, nothing in the portfolio, uh, you know, with the COVID stuff, uh, I'm I'm taking a little bit of a wait and see to a degree, uh, this week, the one game that I'm kind of looking at, I've got, you know, I've got the Cleveland green Bay game priced at a higher total, uh, than what we're currently seeing at, at the 44 and a half or so. Um, and you know, I, I went over the green Bay team total last week, had value to the over chose the team total. I thought that was maybe a better spot uh took their team total over Chicago the week before actually I think they played the Rams before that possibly went over their team total that week it was like 21 and a half now their team total is up a little bit higher uh it looks like at 27 um I had 24 and a half last week they were 28 and a half at home um against the Bears but I still felt comfortable with that because I had them in the 30s um and then against the Rams I had them I don't know I think it was mid-20s and they were like 21 and a half or something they were a home dog in that game um I've got this total, like I said, priced a little bit higher. we got to see where Cleveland is. I mean, Cleveland's just a mess in general. They've been a mess on offense. So, um, you know, I'm a little hesitant uh, in terms of taking it over, having to rely on Cleveland to be able to do some, some damage themselves in that game. But the Packers' defense hasn't been fantastic. I mean, yes, they've been good in certain things, but they've given up I think it's 27 or more points in their last four games granted some of the bear stuff with special teams, not necessarily on their defense and stuff, but um, you know, anytime you're getting green Bay with a total in the mid forties, I know scoring's down this year, but this offense is so potent. And I know they got uh, Valdez scantlings on the COVID list. Like, you know, they could be down at receiver, but um, a mid 40 total for a Packer game is a pretty low total with that offense. And it's not, it's not a lockdown, shutdown defense. Um, So I'm looking at the over in that game, uh, possibly.
1: Yeah, it's a light card for me as well. I would say that uh, from a teaser standpoint, we might see some of our most promising options on the board. And I'd like to run one possible option by you. Looking at the Colts and Broncos, there's a lot of pick out there for both games, but you can get some plus one on both of those teams. And I would advise shopping around if you can get plus one on both teams at the same book that could have the makings of a great six-and-a-half-point teaser leg, crossing up through three and seven for minus 130 or better. Looking at the Colts, I mean, we saw last week the Cardinals' offense not looking equipped in its current form to build much of a margin over anybody with no Hopkins and Kyler Murray looking off since his return to the lineup. And the Colts certainly a step up in class from who the Cardinals faced last week in Detroit. And then the other leg, Denver, taking on the Raiders in a game with a low total, 41-and-a-half, So that could imply some reduced variance and also increase the relative value of each point we get, taking an underdog up through that key number of seven. So I'd say, again, if you can find both of those teams at plus one, a six and a half point teaser for minus 130 or better, uh, definitely worth a look in my book. And if you can find one but not both of those teams, maybe also look for a little Jacksonville plus one. That could still be a decent fit, although I certainly say there should be less variance with the Colts and Broncos simply because they're not terrible teams like the Jets.
0: (laughs) There will be definitely less variance there. I think you're right, Matt.
1: Yeah. Um, And then I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on some more available six-point teaser options, seeing a few fits on the board, again, crossing through three and seven. We've got the Packers available to take down to minus one and a half against the Browns. Um, I have the Ravens on here, but it looks like the Bengals have been steamed recently. Yeah, that's up to three. So Ravens, probably not a good teaser fit. Um, So in addition to the Packers, Maybe the Bills worth a look, minus two and a half, so you could take them up to plus eight and a half, taking on the Patriots. And where it's listed right now, the Chiefs, minus two and a half, hosting the Steelers. I know a lot of COVID news there, so maybe something to wait on for Kansas City. But um, among these teaser legs, I wanted to dig in a bit on that Bills-Patriots game because I'm seeing New England shaded towards three at Bookmaker, but it's a flat two from what I can see at Circa right now. Uh, usually if I see one of the sharper books tilting toward three, I want to stay away in a teaser knowing that if you can just isolate a plus three on one team like Buffalo, in this case that presents more value than teasing them up through a touchdown, but also needing another game to break in your favor at the same time, if they're just minus uh, plus two at circa and you could get them to plus eight and a half at a lot of books that has the makings of a great teaser. Like, so what do you make of the bills prospects as a possible teaser candidate in week 16?
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was, uh, before we jumped on the show, uh, I was just looking at some rankings and whatnot and and going through that, and I agree 100%. I think getting Buffalo, uh, you know, first of all, uh, above that touchdown, if you tease it, I think that's an outstanding play. Quick turnaround from, you know, two weeks ago when they played. Um, they obviously lost that game. They're going to come in completely focused. Um, you know, obviously, New England's a, a very good team, but I like Buffalo getting a whole bunch of points in that. I agree 100%. And like you said, I mean, if it goes to three, okay, that's fine. The My guess on the ball, number one, it, it trickled up there, Matt, because Lamar Jackson didn't practice today. Uh, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. I would guess if he practices tomorrow, that's going to trickle back down, and maybe that falls back into a more suitable teaser range as well. Um, so, you know, we, we could just kind of watch that one a little bit and see where that goes. I, I got to believe he's going to play this week, but uh, I, I thought Harbaugh said – uh, yesterday or Monday that he felt he was going to practice this week, even today, which obviously didn't happen. So I don't know what to make of that, but um, I got to believe he's going to give it a go, you know, how effective he is. That's always another question, but I think that'll trickle back down a little bit if we get some practicing out of uh, Jackson here tomorrow or Friday.
1: With where things stand right now, is it safe to say that the Packers minus one and a half paired with the Bills plus eight and a half, probably uh, the favorite teaser on the board if you were going to play one at this moment?
0: Yeah, I was just looking here. Um, yeah, uh, you know, or or the uh, – what? Uh, I was just going to look. The I, I kind of like your Denver one as well. Um, I was just looking at that line. Um, like you said, though, that's a pick. So I agree, yeah. Based on what we're seeing right now, yes, I would say Green Bay and Buffalo, I think are – your best teaser bets right now.
1: Yeah, I'd say if anybody can get the Colton Broncos up to plus seven and a half in a six and a half point teaser, that would be my favorite bet on the board as we record this. But for the more widely available six point teaser options, can't fault a look at the Packers and Bills. And one more thing here, Scott, I wanted to touch on the optimal approach when we have a lot of appealing teaser legs. Let's say somebody really likes the Packers and Bills. And they still feel good about teasing Baltimore up and maybe Kansas City is on the board and they want to take them down through the three. You can have up to four pretty enticing teaser legs. And when that's the case, do you look at maybe just a small bet, you know, round robbing all those teams with each other or maybe take your two favorite options, play them for, you know, maybe 1.2 units, take your next two favorite options play them for a smaller amount, maybe one unit or eight-tenths of a unit. How do you approach executing teaser options when there are more than two pretty appealing games on the board?
0: Well, I think you can do it in, in a. I think, all those ways that, you know, mentioned Matt, you can certainly do that. Um, I think the other thing, you can almost maybe try to break them into time segments a little bit as well. Um, now, you, we don't really have that opportunity as it sits today on a Thursday night game, but a Thursday-Saturday, um, a Saturday early game, maybe a late game, especially maybe a 425 uh, or 125 Pacific time game uh, as the late game on Sunday afternoons. So you, you can divvy them up amongst time zones as well um, if you think they're all uh, of somewhat equal value or close to equal value. And that just gives you some opportunities to do some other things. Uh, you know, for example, like last week, I had New England and Miami in a teaser. Obviously, New England didn't get there. Um, but that was, you know, that was a different day. And now and now you get an opportunity maybe to do something else with Miami with something else that you like to still take advantage of Miami as well. Whereas if they're going in the same time segment and one loses then and the other one wins, um there's nothing to show for that, right? You've you've lost because they've gone one on one. So I think that's the other thing you can do. You can kind of separate them off if if possible, um, where you can still take advantage of one of the teams that you liked if the other team uh blows out their tire basically for you, uh, you know, initially. So, uh, you know, I I've done that sometimes, uh, as well. Like you said, if you get the round Robin approach, you're, you're kind of doing that anyway. Um, it kind of just depends on how much, uh, you know, money you want to lay out there. I think, you know, in terms of getting down, how many ever teasers you want to get down on.
1: Yeah. I love that angle of considering staggered time slots. So you have some more maneuverability and to that end, the last week 16 game I'd want to touch on briefly would be the Monday nighter Not in teaser territory right now. The Saints are a juicy three-point favorite. And if anything, they might be touching three and a half before we'd see them come down to two and a half. But for the Dolphins, this is just their second road game since Halloween. First trip outside the Eastern time zone since September. And I see a bit of a connection here to a Chiefs spot you mentioned last week before they played at the Chargers on Thursday. But for the Dolphins, we could take that spot and put it on steroids. So do you think the Dolphins might be in a spot this week where – that could be overrated by the market because they've just been home for so long and also beating up on some pretty weak opponents. Or do you think the dolphins might have an edge here? Because even though they're on the road, they're probably about as fresh as a road team can get since they really haven't had to travel at all for a while.
0: Well, you make a good point about them going on the road. And I think, you know, just looking at schedules, sometimes teams, and I think Dallas, I think is coming home after playing three straight road games. So you, you kind of forget that sometimes, and, um, and so you get so used to seeing a team like Dallas, you know, they've done okay on the road, obviously, but if they hadn't performed as well, well, they played a bunch of road games or to your point in this case, Miami has played pretty well here. Um, but they've been sleeping in their own bed for you know a month and a half effectively almost. Um, my numbers actually support Miami a little bit in this game. So it's hard for me to fall in love with new Orleans in this game, but to your point, like, We've seen Miami in their best situations here playing weak opponents um, and playing at home. It's a different animal now. Uh, and now they're going to go play new Orleans uh, coming off a big win and obviously confident. It's kind of funny. I went, I, I went and looked at new Orleans cause they've dominated Tampa Bay forever here. Uh, obviously they had a big win last year uh, over them. And, and in several years after that, it was other than last year, I think going back like three years in a row, new Orleans came home every single week after beating Tampa and Tampa and played Carolina and actually lost a few of those games last year, I don't remember who they played. They came home and I think they, whoever they played, they beat, I think pretty, pretty easily. Um, but you know, my, my numbers support Miami a little bit in this game. So it's hard for me to go against that, but I, I think you're dead on these teams. And they sit home forever and then, you know, everyone gets fat and happy with who they are and what they are. Uh, and all of a sudden becomes a different animal and they're going to go into that's a very good defensive team. Potentially going to cause some problems for Tua. It's going to be loud uh, in that stadium. Um, so buyer beware, I guess, if you're on Miami. I would only feel comfortable with Miami if I, if I was taking them in a teaser. But to your point, I don't know that we're ever going to get that down to, to a teaser range.
1: Yeah, well, at this point, with so much swirling in the news cycle being what it is right now, I think that's a pretty good look at Week 16 as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon. So Scott, I want to thank you for that. And as we begin to wrap things up, I also thought it would be great to get a little bit of insight into what you would consider your biggest strength as a better and and maybe one or two tips to impart that to this audience.
0: I would say, Matt, um, and hopefully this can help people, although you, you've got to figure out how to do it. But I think having just, for me, what's been successful for me over the years is just having a systematic approach to every single week and going in the handicapping, so I know Sunday night I start to look at stuff. Uh, you know, from a situational standpoint, I will look at that Sunday night or or Monday morning, uh, revisit it after the Monday night game for the for those teams. Um, start to run my numbers. I just it, it's it's like clockwork. I know exactly what I'm doing in every single day. Um, and obviously, you you need to and want to have a model that works. I mean, you can be structured as, as, as you can possibly be and, and have a completely failing model, it's not going to help you a lot, but still structure and systematically and doing things the same every single week, I think allows you to get into a comfort zone and see things the way you need to see them be ready to make moves when you need to make moves. Um, you know, if you're getting up on, and, and we all look, we all work, we got families and all this and that. So I know this isn't a hundred percent practical, but, um, you know, if you're getting up on Saturday or Sunday and trying to figure out who you're going to bet, that that's a tough way to, to make a living, uh, either lines are gone or you're just not going to make decisions. Uh, I don't think is as well. So I like to do it early in the week, be systematic, do the same things. I've got situations. I look at, I run numbers. I try to marry the two and decide, you know, where one carries more weight or do things line up on both sides. We're getting value in good situations. Um, And even if I don't pounce on that game immediately, at least it's in my mind early in the week to just be thinking through it all week long. And I just feel when I get to the end of the week between that, listening to guys like yourself, Las Vegas, Chris, just reading other stuff. I feel like I'm in a a good spot to Mm -hmm. handicap that, to get that game and know exactly where I'm at. If I haven't already bet it, if I want to bet it. Um, So I just think, just getting some kind of systematic structure to your life as far as it goes in betting, whatever that might be, because we all have, we're all at different spots in, in our life in terms of being able to uh, assign time to it. But if you can do that, I think you've got a chance uh, to actually win. And then just know where good bets are, and where bad bets are, right? I mean, that's just uh, that's pretty basic stuff. Plenty of books out there and, and internet uh, you can Google just knowing when to make good bets and bad bets, apply a structure And that at least sets you up with a chance to succeed. I think.
1: Are you trying to tell me that same game parlays aren't the easiest way to make a good living?
0: (laughs) Well, what kills me, like I've got buddies and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send me a text. Hey, I, you know, I tease that from 13 up to 19. And, you know, I'm like, geez, like (laughs) just give yourself a chance to win here. Right. Like just, you know, just start there, just make some right decisions that are black and white, easy decisions, get a little structure, systematic and you know what? You got a fight in chance.
1: Love it. Well, one more topic I want to touch on. We couldn't wrap this up without weaving in the other pillar of this podcast, the hops. <laughs> or in your case, I know of some travel in recent months, some tequila, of course, chased with pineapple juice, also some good Mai Tais. So, Scott, when it comes to cocktails or beer, what's on your Christmas list when it comes to libations?
0: Uh, well, you know, I'm always good with a big rock in the glass and a little um, uh, Johnny Walker black label. That's always good. Um, as you said, I was down in Kabul earlier this year and, uh, we were in the pool and some people, they gave us a little tequila and they said, just do down it with a little pineapple uh, chaser. And it is as smooth as it can possibly be. And sure enough, Matt, they were a hundred percent correct. Like you could drink a whole bottle of tequila with pineapple chasers and, uh, you, you know, you might be a little drunk, but That stuff will go down incredibly smooth for you.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and give a shout out to something that's a bit reminiscent of pineapple juice, but with the kind of twist I will take every single time. One of my favorite IPAs from my favorite brewery was just re-released. It's called Double Dry Hopped The Other Brian by Green Cheek Beer Company in Orange, California. Green Cheek's a brewery just minutes from Disneyland, so I'll leave it to you to tell me which one's really the happiest place on earth. But as far as this one goes, it's double dry hop with citra hops, and it has notes of mango, orange, and, of course, pineapple. It's dangerously (laughs) drinkable with an 8.5% ABV. So I'm just picturing being fireside at a lodge with my wife in Yosemite on Christmas, rooting on the Colts, got them plus four on a look-ahead line from last week. I have teased them up with the Broncos through the seven. So to me, it's probably not going to get too much better than that. And Scott, of course, wanted to see if you had any holiday plans yourself as well.
0: Hey, I'm staying put here in Vegas uh, for now. And then uh, next week uh, over uh, New Year's Eve weekend, uh, going back to Wisconsin to spend time with the family then. But I'll be in Vegas. And hey, at least you know, betting on Frank Wright and the Colts, at least you know what you're going to get out of that coach. You've got a good coach in your corner and and hopefully they can keep playing like they have and uh, you can get a couple winners in that.
1: Yes. Yes. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, and and maybe you can sneak back a cheese head from Wisconsin for me. Uh, (laughs) uh, one of those would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, as, as we wrap this up, Scott, I want to make sure we plug your work as well on Twitter at sixth sense NFL, a regular guest on Beeson, the Vegas stats and information network. And of course a key contributor to the bet us NFL show. We do that together along with our friend Las Vegas, Chris, and heads up to the audience. If you're catching this a bit early Our week 16 pick show going to be coming a bit early at a special time this week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, same day and time on week 17 to get ahead of Christmas and New Year's. And, of course, we take an early look at the board each week on Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. Lately, Scott, we've been having some great strategy conversations to wrap up those Tuesday shows, so that might be one of the more valuable listens each week for the audience here. Um, but as far as plugging your work and letting people know where they can find you, am I missing anything or is there anything else you'd like to add?
0: No, I think you got it. Uh, we do the VEASAN show every uh, Friday. Um, the last couple of weeks I've been on for the whole hour to replace someone, otherwise usually a 10 minute segment in there. Uh, so you can catch us there. That's one 1 pm Pacific time, uh, the Twitter at six cents NFL and and like you said, Matt, uh, bet us show uh, twice a week, you've done a great job of bringing up those topics that, I think are, are much more worth uh, anyone can give you picks and you may win or lose. Um, but that only helps you in that given week. But the topics that you brought up that, you know, myself, you and Las Vegas Chris have spoke about, those are things that can help you long-term. Uh, so I highly encourage people to listen into those as well. And um, love doing that show with you as well. You're doing a great job there.
1: Thank you. Likewise. Well, it's easy to bring up those topics when I know I can get the kind of insight that you and Chris bring to the table. So look forward to more of that in the weeks to come. Scott, I want to thank you once again for your time and insight to have this conversation today. And I will see you in a bit less than 24 hours.
0: Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on, Matt. Good luck to everyone this weekend. Goodbye.
1: Thanks again to Scott, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A close second would be to check out the BetUS NFL show I'm hosting on YouTube with Scott and professional better Las Vegas Chris. We're breaking down every game, every week, and if you're catching this episode by Thursday morning... Our Week 16 Pick Show going to be coming at you Thursday, December 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. You can check it out on YouTube via the link in the show notes. One housekeeping item before we close up shop. If you live in an area where wagering is legal and want to kill two birds with one stone, go ahead and sign up for a sportsbook via any of the links at the bottom of the Props and Hops landing page on dimers.com. That way you can get down on some edges while supporting this show along the way, and you can find a link to that landing page in these show notes. It's been great to see some nice momentum with sportsbook signups recently, so first off, thank you for that, and second, would love to keep it rolling. Alright, that'll do it for this week's episode. Best of luck with your Week 16 action. Have a safe and Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you next week, likely with another Wednesday show in advance of New Year's Eve. Until then, let's bet well. Let's drink well and let's be well.